Tonight's reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. And you can find this on page 1139 of the Church Bibles. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, as Christians, how should we treat each other? Uh, I guess there's, I don't know, a hundred odd of us in this room. Um, how should we relate to each other? Uh, maybe just ignore each other, concentrate only what's on the front? Perhaps not. Uh, how then, uh, if we're trusting in Jesus... Uh, how should that impact how we relate to each other? Uh, the last few weeks, we've seen that uh, Jesus, being in very nature God, made himself nothing. He, he came, he washed his disciples' feet. He washed us entirely clean through his death on the cross. Uh, and we've seen that uh, knowing him means becoming like him in every way. Uh, pressing on and standing firm. If these things that we've looked at over the last couple of weeks are, are true, how are they going to come out in the way that we act uh, with other people? Well, that's pretty much uh, where Paul gets to uh, in this part of Romans 12. Uh, if you're not familiar with Romans, it's Paul's great explanation of the gospel. Uh, he says that Jesus Christ is Lord, that salvation comes through faith to all who believe, whether they're a Jew or not. Now, that's what the first 11 chapters of Romans are doing. But in the Bible, theology and doctrine, stuff that we learn about God, is never divorced from application, what we should then do. If this gospel that Paul speaks about is true, then it should impact our lives. Uh, and so chapter 12 starts with a great therefore, which sets up the rest of this letter. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of everything that I've just taught you, Paul says, this is what you should do. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, 
This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul says, in light of everything that I've just taught you, offer your bodies to God as a sacrifice. This, that's what it means to worship, to give everything to God. He says, be transformed away from what you were, from uh, what the world says we should be, to what Jesus says we should be, transformed into the likeness of Jesus. But did you hear the key in that? It's all in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. If we're going to achieve any of what Paul sets out in the rest of this letter, we cannot forget what God has done. Uh, There are uh, two ways uh, of climbing a mountain. Uh, You can trudge up the path, uh, looking only at your feet, uh, thinking only of the effort of putting one foot in front of another. Uh, Or you can climb it with your head up, taking in the view, uh, the beauty that surrounds you, looking forward to the destination that you're headed towards, the peak ahead. I can tell you that that way is a much more enjoyable way uh, of climbing a mountain. That's what Paul is saying. As we dive into the rapid-fire commands that we get from verse 9, we need to try and keep ourselves from just looking down at our feet at, at the work that we need to do, but instead to look up, to see everything that we're told to do in view of God's mercy, in view of Jesus washing us clean. So as we do that, as we focus on verses 9 to 21, uh, we're going to see that there's two sets of relationships uh, that Paul has in view as he thinks about how we should live in light of God's mercies. Uh, Relationships with one another, that is, our brothers and sisters uh, in the church, uh, in verses 9 to 17, and our interactions with everyone, everybody, uh, the world, out there in verses 14 to 21. Yes, I know those sections overlap. Uh, Don't worry. So first, uh, in our relationships with one another, Paul says we are to love sincerely. Let me read again from verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Persecute those who bless you. Bless bless those who persecute you. (laughs) Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now, verses 9 to 17, uh, 9 to 13, uh, are actually one long sentence. Uh, Paul starts with love, uh, and then his words just come tumbling out uh, as he goes on to say what that love looks like in action. So let's start there with uh, love. Love must be sincere. 
Paul says. Everything that we're talking about, uh, this is real love. Not uh, love that just maybe pretends to be nice, but actually couldn't care less about anyone else. Love that's just trying to uh, get what it can for itself. Nor is this uh, the kind of love that our culture promotes that has to approve uh, of everything that I do. Look at uh, the next clause. Uh, Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. See, true, sincere love cares about the truth. It cares about what is good and what isn't. Uh, If you're looking after a child uh, and they start eating, I don't know, sand... Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, say, oh, it's all right, they look happy, and just ignore it. No, you're going to stop them. You're going to step in, aren't you? Because what they're doing isn't good for them. Because you're showing love. It, it might seem obvious when I put it like that, um, but the activists and many others uh, that uh, appear all around us today uh, say or imply that Neutrality, even neutrality, is not enough in our relationships with others. If you don't actively approve of what someone else is doing, then you don't love me. You hate me, is what they imply. Now, we mustn't let that understanding of love uh, infect the church, infect our thinking. Paul says that true love cares about what is good and evil. So if you see a brother or sister in the church doing something uh, that the Bible says we shouldn't, it isn't loving to approve it or to even ignore it. The real sincere love that we're talking about here will come alongside that person, will gently show them where they're going wrong, will help them cling instead to what is good. Sincere love. This real love is committed to. I think that's one of the the themes of verses 10 to 12. Love that is dedicated, that perseveres. Uh, Look at the language. Fervor, patient, faithful. Do you remember the indictment against the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3 is that they're lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. They're just coasting along. They've not grasped Paul's instructions here. Uh, Don't be slothful, but burn uh, with the Spirit, Paul says. What would a lukewarm church look like? Well, I think it would look like a group of people who are friendly enough on a Sunday evening, uh, but who never actually think about each other the rest of the week. People who uh, just about know what the other person does for a living, uh, but doesn't actually know what's really going on in their life, the joys and the pains. People who uh, pray only for what they want uh, and not for what other people need. I don't think St. Mary's is a lukewarm uh, church. I know countless examples uh, of these commands of Paul being lived out. But I do think that it is a danger we need to be aware of. In our consumer culture, there is much temptation 
uh, to be lukewarm like this. I'm sure we can think of ways that we could burn brighter and be less lukewarm. Uh, to focus in a little bit, let's look at uh, one of the commands uh, Paul gives in particular. If you want to think about uh, any of the others, do stick a question uh, for me on pigeonhole. But let's look at practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. That's interesting. Uh, the word practice comes from the same word uh, that was used uh, for press on that we saw in Philippians last week. In other words, this is something that we have to work at, that takes effort, and we need to keep going at it. It's something that might not come naturally for a lot of people. Uh, we're used to having our, our own space and our own time. They're precious things to us. There's sacrifice involved in letting other people in. But I think it's important to say that hospitality doesn't just mean cooking a huge roast on a Sunday, getting the best crockery out, making sure the house is clean, and inviting as many people around as can fit around your table. Now, don't get me wrong, I love getting those invites, but I don't think that's the entirety of what hospitality is. After all, you may not live somewhere where it's possible to do that, whether that's because of space or the people you live with. You may not be able to afford the extra food. You might just not be a good cook. Hospitality, I think, means welcoming and inviting people to join you in doing life. That might be walking the dog with you, joining in with a sport together, just watching a film, as well as those things of sharing a meal, offering a room to stay in. Inviting each other to join with you, to spend time with you, and to share in what you have. Practice hospitality. That's just one way that we can love each other with this sincere love. Uh, Paul mentions uh, lots of others. Now, if that sounds like a challenge, well, I think it is, but remember what our view is. God's mercy. This love that we're to show doesn't come from ourselves. As John says in that famous passage that is often used at weddings, this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves us as we look at his mercy. We love each other sincerely. So, I ask you, how can you show this love to each other this week? Who can you get alongside? Who can you pray for? Who can you, who can you invite to join you in life? Now, maybe that uh, you're not a Christian yet. Uh, you're exploring Jesus' claims. Uh, and I want to ask you, does this sound like an attractive family to be a part of? Because it's the one that Jesus invites you into. One way you don't have to pretend, where you don't have to fight to get ahead of others. But this uh, family is only possible if what Jesus said about himself uh, is really true. So I'd urge you uh, to look more into it. So striving to be like Jesus 
in view of his service, means loving each other sincerely. But it also means that in our relationships with everyone, we're to not take revenge. Uh, 14 to 21. Now clearly, we can't avoid uh, contact with people uh, outside the church, can we? Uh, and nor should we. The Bible uh, says that we expect that we should be out in the world. Uh, ambassadors for Christ, Paul calls us in another letter. So, although relationships in the church uh, amongst us can be hard sometimes, at least we're all aiming, hopefully, in the same direction. Uh, there is love on both sides. As we go out into the world, though, we're going to find that we're heading in a different direction to lots of people. Whether it's your classmates, your co-workers, teammates, or family. You might have lots of good relationships there, but some of them will not be good. Um, So Paul gives us some instructions for these kind of relationships too. Verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Bless those who persecute you. If your enemy is hungry, feed you. Is that your natural response when conflict occurs, I wonder? I guess instinctively we either want to uh, fight or flee, don't we, Uh, when conflict uh, comes up. We want to hit back at the other person, try and score a point at least, come out on top. Uh, Or we want to hide away and try and minimize the damage, protect ourselves. But Paul says a Christian who is being transformed by the renewing of their mind who is pressing on and standing firm, should do neither of those things. Instead, we're to not take revenge, but to love our enemy. Verse 21 is the key, I think, here. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The language of of evil here echoes back in chapter 1 of Romans, where Paul that shows us that everyone deserves separation from God. All of us, you and me, rejected him and exchanged good for bad. And so when we come across evil in others, we can't look down on them or judge because we were once the same. But the message of Romans is that Jesus' victory has rescued us from that state. But that victory came through sacrifice and service. It didn't come through revenge. 
And we are to be like him, even in this. As we're loved by Jesus, we love each other. And then that love spills out into the world. So when you're mocked at work or at college or wherever it is for being a Christian, for standing up for your faith, don't start accusing anyone back. And don't run away either. First off, I suggest is pray for them. Pray that that person would have a good day. Pray that God would change their hearts. And then see what you can do to practically bless them. It could be just as small as asking if they want a coffee later on or giving them a lift to the station. It doesn't have to be big. How can you bless them even as they persecute you? It's important to note the qualification that comes in verse 18. And this isn't saying that we should stay with an abuser. One of the ways that God exercises his wrath, as Paul talks about, is through our human authorities. That's what he goes on to talk about in the next few verses in chapter 13. So if we need to, we can look to the police and the courts. But what we can't do, Paul says, is take matters into our own hands if we don't like uh, the outcome. See, if we truly trust that God is king and that he is judge, we will leave it to him to give people uh, what they deserve. After all, how sad would it be uh, if my anger and revenge, my careless words, uh, put someone off from giving Christianity a chance, rather than my love drawing them to Jesus. Ultimately, as hard as uh, this is, uh, our attitude of love to our enemy might be the witness that brings someone to repentance. That's what this quotation from uh, Proverbs 25 is hinting at uh, in in verse 20. Um, in doing what your enemy doesn't expect, in acting differently because Jesus has loved you when you were his enemy, uh, in repaying evil with good, you heap burning coals on their head, burning coals which, yes, might make them even angrier, but actually might open their eyes to Jesus. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we've seen uh, Jesus' act of service as he washed his disciples' feet, as he went to the cross. We've seen that we should follow his example, pressing on to be like him, to become transformed into his likeness. And we've seen that that looks like loving each other sincerely in the church as brothers and sisters with committed and real love. And not taking revenge, loving those who are against us. All of it, all of it, in view of God's mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy.
We thank you that you have washed us, that you have brought us to yourself, and that you've brought us into a new family. Help us to love each other with your love, sincerely and with commitment. Help us to work out what it looks like to do that this week. And help us to love those who are against us, to not take revenge, but to give them your love that you have shown us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tim's going to come back up and answer your questions. Thank you for submitting them through Pigeonhole. Um, let's jump right in, Tim. What's the meaning of verse 11? <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, yeah, so I think, I think verse 11 is uh, what well, I, was, I was talking about being lukewarm. Um, I think Paul's trying to uh, guard us against that. Um, he's saying that you know, we need to be uh, wholeheartedly uh, involved in each other's lives, wholeheartedly dedicated to, to serving the Lord. Um, you know, if Jesus has done, if we've got the, the view of God's mercy, of all that God has done for us, um, then only taking half measures um, in, in what we then do as a result of that uh, is not really going to cut it. Um, another translation put it as um, slothful, um, which I quite like, um, being, uh, yeah, just slow uh, and lacking in energy. Um, yeah, I think Paul wants us to uh, keep going um, and, and not slow down. Um, I think that can be the, you know, the temptation, can't it, if we've been Christians for a, a long time. Um, you know, it doesn't feel necessarily quite the... I don't know what's the word. Excitement that it was um, when, we, when we first became a Christian. Um, and that can lead to then how we love and serve also be, being less exciting, less um, energetic. Uh, and I think that's what Paul wants us to avoid. Mm. So, so, to so yeah, keep, keep your eyes on Jesus who served, like, mm. his mercy to us, and that will give us seal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, second question we've got is asking how can I pursue hospitality when I feel so busy great yeah well I think um, there's a few things to say here first of all that um, as I said it's really important to have the right view of what hospitality actually is what Paul's talking about here Um, it doesn't have to be uh, a dinner party that takes all day to cook for and organize um, it can be inviting someone to join you in something that you already do um, you know to, to, I don't know the, the single man, single woman who um, uh, doesn't have kids a family inviting them just to join in with their normal uh, weekday meal and bedtime you know that could be uh, something that doesn't actually take you any extra effort than putting an extra plate on the table, but could make a really big difference to how loved someone feels. Um, and so, yeah, it does. You know, Paul, Paul, it does take effort um, to make that to do the invite. But what you're actually doing doesn't 
take any physical effort in that sense. Or it needn't. It needn't, yeah, yes. Yeah. It can do, it can yeah, do, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, um, and I guess that, that's inherent in this sort of idea of serving, mm. isn't it? Um, could there be, and, and I don't think this is the heart, it doesn't have this impression of that in the heart of this question, but could it be that someone is, uh, what, what might the subtext be if someone is saying, oh, my diary's really full, I don't have time for what God is telling me to do here? Mm. Yeah, there's a danger here, isn't there, that um, we have our priorities wrong. Um, that, uh, yeah, what we do, we have to make decisions, don't we, about what, what we do with our time. Um, and it may be that if we're saying we're too busy to be hospitable, then we need to stop doing some stuff that we're currently doing. Um, and we need to be more devoted to one another. Um, that's verse uh, 10, isn't it? Be devoted to one another. I think if we're truly devoted, then we're going to find time somewhere uh, to be hospitable uh, to each other. And that's up for us to, to weigh up individually and personally, isn't it? Um, so it's not what we're saying the asker was asking necessarily no. or coming from, but it's, it's a fair question to... And, and there, there'll be seasons of this, won't we? Um, you know, we, we were hearing from Paul earlier... Um, that, you know, I know Paul, he loves getting stuck in and serving, um, but he had some time when he wasn't able to do that, uh, when he wasn't able to be uh, hospitable, um, but others were to him. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's why we're a, a family, that, um, yeah, maybe there is a season where you've got a lot going on, um, and that's when others can serve and love you. Uh, as well. Mm. Tim, thank you. Right.